Well, here we are, New Hope Radio. Happy to have you come along today. Looking forward to a good program. I'm going to ask you the question today. Do you want to be healed? Sounds like a dumb question, doesn't it? That's okay. You're going to see, it's probably not that dumb. You want to be healed. Welcome aboard. Don't forget, New Hope Radio is not only live on the radio, 1590 AM, 92.7 FM, Facebook and YouTube at newhopecc.tv. It's also the Hope Club podcast. And you can get the Hope Club podcast on our website, newhopecc.tv, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, any podcast player, just about. We'll have the Hope Club podcast, and that's where you can get these radio messages. Paul is checking in already. Janine's checking in on Facebook. Okay. Anybody else listening, join us on Facebook and get in the chat. We'll read your comments. Maybe you have a question. That's okay. We'll do that too. Comments and questions. That's what we'll do here on New Hope Radio. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place in life not a very joyful place. Reason being, it's not a place we have any control over. You like that? You like to be in a place where you have all the control and then when you don't have control, it's like, I don't like this place. I don't like it because I don't have control. I can't, con- I can't change it. I can't tweak it. I can't adjust it. I can't do anything. I don't like that. It's a place that we can border on living in no hope sometimes. Some people live with no hope. They really do. That's hard. Living with no hope is not living at all. And yet it's very common in the world that we live in. People living with no hope, but they're not really living at all. Alicia is checking in. Hi, Alicia. Thanks for joining us. Living with no hope is common in the lives of, I think, too many people. Too many. And we're going to see a man today who lived in this very place. He had no hope, and yet he received something in the way that he never expected. God is like that. I like that. God has a way of doing for us something that we never, ever expect. That's why you need to have hope. Oh, always put your hope in God. All right. Today we will see a strange place for a miracle. Usually miracles happen in strange places, don't they? Maybe you've had a miracle happen to you, and it was one of those things that you least expected. Okay, we're going to pick it up in John chapter 5, verse 2. Wow, somebody's calling me. Do you believe it? I'm on the radio, and somebody's calling me on my phone. (laughs) <laughs> oh, they'll have to call me back. Okay. I could have answered it, I guess, but they can call me back. Okay. 
John chapter 5. There is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Paula said, hope's the difference between living and existing. Yes, right on. So, there's this giant, beautiful porch by a pool. And it's got these columns that are holding up the roof. And in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, withered. So picture this big pool with this giant overhang and all these columns. And underneath all these people, all kinds of physical problems. And it says that they were waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease which he was afflicted. Now, that whole passage about the angel coming down to stir the waters, in most good study Bibles, probably all of them, it's bracketed. And when you see brackets in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it means that what is written there was not found in the best original manuscripts, but it was found later, and maybe it was added by translators. So what they do is they leave it in there, but they say, you know, this is, it could be doubtful. It could be doubtful. And if you look at, you know, who God is and how God works, I mean... I would be doubtful that an angel would come down and stir the water so the first one jumping into the pool could be healed. Handyman Pete's checking in. He's from, oh yeah, Alabama. Snowy afternoon, he says, finally here. Live, yes, high 20s up on God's mountaintop of Alabama. So shovel along. <laughs> I didn't know it snowed in Alabama. I thought it was always warm down there. Andy Man Pizza shoveling. Okay. All right. So, you know, the verses, you know, you don't build a doctrine on verses that are bracketed. That's all. But it adds to the story, okay? So the translators left the, the scriptures in, but they're kind of iffy at best. If you, the end of Mark 16 has a whole section that's bracketed as well. Pastor Mike's checking in from Togo, West Africa. Pastor Mike, man of God. Way out there in West Africa doing the work of the Lord. Good afternoon, Pastor Mike. So, but here's what the people believed anyway. They believed that an angel came down and he really did this. That when the water got all bubbly, it's because an angel was there and he was stirring up the water. And that was the sign, first guy in, he gets healed. Now, we would call this a superstition, but this kind of belief was common in the ancient world. In the ancient world, people had all kinds of strange beliefs, especially in undeveloped countries. Many people believed then and even today that demons were everywhere, that demons inhabited trees and rivers, hills and streams and pools. And Africa, Pastor Mike, he's in Togo, West Africa. He can probably... Uh, confirm this, uh, superstitions abound. Amulets are used to ward off evil spirits. They're also used to bring harm to others. 
Uh, voodoo is still a common uh, practice today. A religion of West African origin, practiced chiefly in Haiti and other Caribbean countries, based on animism, magic, elements of Roman Catholic ritual, and uh, belief in a supreme god, a large pantheon of local Godian deities, deified ancestors, saints who communicate with believers in dreams and trances and ritual possessions, you know, all kinds of crazy things going on. I myself was in Togo, West Africa, and people would put things in the gardens to ward off spirits. They put things by their doors to protect the house. And so here in this particular instance, the people believe that an angel came down and he stirred up the water and somehow brought healing properties to the water and the first one in was healed. Now, just in case you modern-minded folks smile at these primitive beliefs, right? You might think, oh, those people are so serious. They're so serious. You know, they're so superstitious. But look at some of the things that we believe in. Lucky Horseshoe. Friday the 13th, bad luck. Don't let a black cat cross your path. Oh, if you find a four-leaf clover, that's good luck. Who here has ever crossed their fingers? Walked around a ladder. You wouldn't walk under it. Did you ever pull a wishbone? And what do you do with your birthday cake before you eat it? And before you blow out the candles. <laughs> All superstitions. Handyman Pete's back. He's correcting me. No, no. You guys shovel. The snow here only lasts till sun comes up. Oh, man. I wish our snow was here and it was beautiful, but then the next day it was gone. That would be a nice miracle. That would be something. If an angel could come and just like melt the snow, I could go for that. So... Back to the story. All of a sudden, water troubled by an angel, you know, it doesn't seem that weird anymore, does it? When you think about the things that even we believe in today, don't we? So in verse 5, there was a man there who'd been ill, wow, for 38 years. 38 years. Had to be at least half his life, if not most of his life. Now here comes Jesus. He's walking by the pool. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition. Isn't that something? Jesus knew about this man's condition and how long he laid by the pool. He said to him, do you wish to get well? That's what he asked him. Now, there's a lot of people by the pool. I don't know how many. I'm sure there's quite a few. But he said to this one man, do you wish to get well? I like what Matthew Henry said. He's a want to do some reading sometime. Read some Matthew Henry. He said, those long in affliction may comfort themselves that God keeps account how long. Hmm. I like that. Yes. In your suffering, God knows. That's the simplest way to say it. In your suffering, God knows. 
Now notice the question that Jesus asked. He said, do you wish to get well? You would think, well, what kind of question is that? That's why he's there. He's there because he wants to get well. Why is Jesus asking a question like this? And you know, the man really didn't answer the question. It was like a yes or no question. Do you want to get well? But no, the man gave this story. He said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Oh, yeah, if this guy's lame, he doesn't have a chance. Oh, people are going to run down there and they're going to beat him to the pool. But you know what? Jesus was always the friend of the friendless. He's always the helper of the one who has no earthly help. And here's what Jesus didn't do. He didn't lecture him. He didn't judge his superstition. He didn't even condemn the crowd for not helping him. He just asked him if he wanted to be cured. See, Jesus always knows what he's going to do. He always does. That's why he might say things sometimes that sound weird to us, but it's because he knows what he's going to do. And he asked the man if he wanted to be healed because we have to acknowledge that we need to be cured. We have to acknowledge that. If you're you're sick, you have to acknowledge that you're sick before you get help. You can't live in denial. You can't ignore it. So it's like, do we really want a changed life? That's the question. Do we really want a changed life? I think that's what Jesus is asking this man. Do you really want your life to change? People can get used to their problems. And you know what they do? They just live in them. They accept what's wrong, and they don't do anything about it. And they, they, their life goes into a rut, and they, they bring in wall-to-wall carpeting. And they bring in the recliner. Hey, well, this is my life. My life's a rut. It's never going to change. I'm just going to stay like this. There are people that live that way today. They just accept their condition. And they don't do anything to improve it. Nothing. Well, you know what Jesus said to him? (laughs) I love this. He said, get up. Pick up your bed and walk. That's it. He said, get up. Immediately, the man became well. Wow. He picked up his bed, his little mattress there, and he began to walk. Oh, and by the way, it was the Sabbath day. Jesus loved to do things like that on the Sabbath. Now, here's the key. The man did what Jesus said, and it worked. That's it. The man did what Jesus said, and it worked. Imagine how many things would work better in our own lives if we also did what Jesus said to do. You know, if you read through the Gospels and look at the things that Jesus told people, and you apply those to your life, your life would be so much better. And so would mine. When people abide in what Jesus says, things improve. 
Oh, he talked about relationships. He talked about money. He talked about lending. He talked about worship. He talked about work. He talked about hope. He talked about salvation. He talked about family. I mean, you name it. He covered the whole gamut of life. He has something to say about almost everything. And if we abided in what he said, life, our lives would be so much better. Think of your own life right now. What areas could use some serious improvement? If Jesus said, do you want to be well? Is there a particular area where you would like to be well? Is it something personal? Or maybe something relational or spiritual? It could be even financial or vocational. Any aspect of your life can improve. Like Paula said, obedience is key. That is it. Believe and abide. Why? Because it's the Word of God. It's divine. It's from God. What do you think God's Word says about God's Word says about that particular aspect of your life that you would like to see improved? Are you willing to do what He says? That's the key. Sometimes it's like, well, I don't like what's going on in this part of my life, but I'm not, I'm not going to do what God said. No way. Well, you know what? Have a nice existence. Because God is telling us things to improve that part of our life. And sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes it's come out of your comfort zone, like forgive 70 times 7. Wow. Go the extra mile. You know, there are things that Jesus says like, They can be challenging, but they're always for the better. Always for the better. That's where the healing lies. The healing lies in doing the things that Jesus said, just like with this man. Let's make this personal and put your name there. Let's say you were there, ill, for 38 years. And when Jesus saw you lying there and knew that you had already been a long time in that condition, then he said to you, do you wish to get well? What would be your answer? Would it be a bunch of excuses as to why you're not getting well? Or would it be, yes, Lord, tell me what to do. Oh, tell me what to do. I want to get well so bad. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I want to save my marriage so bad, whatever you tell me to do. I want to restore my relationship with my children so bad, tell me what to do. I want to be the best worker in the company, tell me what to do. And on and on and on it goes. I want to be the best neighbor on my street. Tell me what to do. Any area of life. Oh, the Lord has something to say. Are you willing to be like this man? Jesus said, get up. You know what he did? He got up. He didn't like, no, man, I can't get up. I'm lame. He just got up. (laughs) He believed what Jesus said, and he did it. That was it. We have a God who cares for us. He intervenes. When no one else does. Here's a guy. No one was there to help him. Okay. Sometimes there's no one there to help you. 
Okay. But God is. God is always there to help you. He intervenes when no one else does. He exhibits his power when no one else has any. Yes, we will find ourselves at places in life where people are unable to help us. You've got to accept that. People, they won't be able to understand us. They can't identify with our feelings. You might be in a serious situation, but they don't see it. They fail to recognize it. Remember this. Everybody has their own struggles also. And it's great when people come alongside people and help, but sometimes they can't. Sometimes they're dealing with their own stuff. So don't condemn people for not being there for you when God always is. Oh, I like that. Don't condemn people for not always being there for you when God always is. Handyman Pete said, it's God's, mount, God's mountain is here. And he said, if you don't move, they'll bury you. Jesus said, get up and walk. Stand tall and you'll be noticed. You know, I like that, Handyman Pete. I like that one. When you get up and you let God work in your life, you know what? Other people notice it. Oh, yeah. They notice that. They say, whoa, what happened to you? Oh, you know what happened to me? God. I let God in. God told me what to do, and I did it. Oh, God's word is true. Paula said, yeah, he'll never leave us or forsake us. So, yeah, there's going to be times. It's Christmas. There's going to be times we feel alone. You're not alone. Could you be happy with the Lord? Could you be satisfied? Could you be satisfied if it was you and Jesus? You and him. And you know he loves you. And his word speaks to you. It does. You can have sweet communion with the Lord through his word. So for 38 years, this man's life had become a way of life. What was his way of life? Stuck. Stuck in a rut. He had no hope of ever being healed. He had no one to help him. And it seemed like he didn't even have any desire to help himself. Wow. That's a bad place to be. Stuck in a rut. No hope. No one can help you. And you can't even help yourself. And you know what happens at that point? God steps in. <laughs> I love that part. God steps in. You can triumph over your own hurt, your pain, your loss. You know how you do it? Let God in. Let him in. He's our healer. And when God heals your situation, you'll find yourself being able to help others in theirs. See, this is so important. Let God heal you in yours 
so you can help others in theirs. You know, that completes our healing. Others. Others. This is the Christmas season. It's so easy to be focused on self because maybe things aren't the way I want them to be. They're not going the way I want them to go. So what do you do? Number one, remember God is with you. Let God intervene into your life and pick you up. And then number two, go and help others. There's there's a healing that takes place in your own heart when you help other people. It gets mind off self, which is very important to do. (laughs) You know, anybody that, that thinks about themselves too much, they will be depressed. I'll tell you. They'll be depressed. I think about me, I'll shoot myself. So I got to think about others and how important that is. And God, see, the Lord wants to do this for you. He wants to do it for you. But it takes an acknowledgement. Do I acknowledge that I need to be healed? Do I acknowledge that I need a touch from God? Do I acknowledge that maybe I've drifted away from God and I've tried to be my own resource center? And I forsook the divine resources that God might have for me. See, we have to acknowledge these things. Just like Jesus asked the man, do you want to get healed? He didn't say, what's your name? He didn't say, what's your problem? He said, do you want to get well? And the guy made excuses. And Jesus just said, he gave him his word, get up. And the great thing about this guy, he listened. He listened and he obeyed and he got up. And that's what everybody needs to do. Listen to the Word of God and obey it. Because without abiding in what God's Word says, there's no help. There's nothing happening. Nothing's going to happen. So, wow, we can make this message very, very personal. Very personal. Because it is. The Word of God is personal. Because God is personal. So take that with you today. Think about it. You have a great day as we go into the Christmas season and be joyful. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Remember Emmanuel. God is with us. Have a great weekend and I'll see you next week for more of New Hope Radio.